Warning, this podcast contains heavy spoilers for not just one movie, but entire franchises. We highly recommend going and watching these movies before listening to us as a companion piece that stitches all the timelines into one creepy, crime-ridden story. There will be no more spoiler warnings. We do not break character. After this, there is no turning back. You've been warned. Hit the music. You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! <laughs> Why was no one sad at the headless snowman method? No, no. He was a snowbody. <laughs> a snowbody. <laughs> oh, how did the headless chicken cross the road? He didn't. In a KFC bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I didn't like about the Harry Potter books? It was the character of headless near of nearly headless Nick. It was okay. a poorly executed character. God, <laughs> what do you call like an equestrian that has never received a blowjob? A, a what that it never received? An equestrian that has never received a blowjob. I have no idea. A headless horseman. Oh, <laughs> why did leads... we see that coming? Exactly, <laughs> so leads right into what we were talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before that... Hello and welcome to It's Alive Alive podcast. This is a true crime, paranormal, interstellar podcast covering unbelievable stories that sound like they were ripped stripped from the pages of a Hollywood script. I am your host, the man of many names, the outlaw Harley Ray, the bruiser bronzer, Dr. HR Smokenstein THC, or you can just call me Joshua Short. And with me as always is my very own scream queen, the perfect combination of beauty and brains, the gorgeous, the sexy, Amy Rose. Amy, what's up? What's up? <laughs> Amy's still sick. I don't. Did we say you were sick last week when we were doing last week's episode, or was that in one of the Patreon I'm pretty, episodes? I, I think it was um, kind of obvious. I was sick. <laughs> I don't think we needed to stay. So there. any sniffling and uh, coughing and stuff—it's all her, not me. I don't get sick. I'm always her. Josh's gonna edit it out for me. It's <laughs> good for him. <laughs> well, we got two microphones now yeah. again because we got a new um, a new laptop, we so did. we can. Record Mix with ease. Mess around with stuff. Mm-hmm. Sounded better, hopefully. We hope. Yeah. Or else it's wasted. Huh? Or else be wasted. <laughs> <laughs> wasted more money and more equipment. That's no good to me. You hear Josh <laughs> give it out. We were talking about the headless horseman, right? Mm-hmm. And I was joking about that during the week that we should go into the uh, horror po- uh, parody porn business. Not just parody porn business horror parody porn and we will start with the headless horseman but the, oh, yeah. I, but yeah. the story is going isn't going to be about a, a man with no head going around on a ghost horse killing people it is going to be a man who a virgin who never got head in his life then died and then goes around as the headless horseman killing people having sex after they've had sex or after they've had head. So then you get the porno in there for the sex and then afterwards he comes in with the horror and kills them. I love how much thought you put into this. It'll be like uh, the ultimate incel 
Slasher <laughs> killer. <laughs> oh my god. On that note, awesome. if anybody <laughs> wants to listen to our Kemper episode. <laughs> I suppose it's about as close as you're going to get to our <laughs> fucking porn. Jesus Christ, the things he did to his mom's Oh my head. god, that was bad. <laughs> well, he looks so nice and cuddly in Mindhunter. <laughs> I think that's the actor. Yeah, I think so. He was in um, did the second season of Manhunt, Manhunter, Manhunt, and uh, the first season was uh, where after Ted Kaczynski, and the second season oh, we were working yeah. on the, the Atlanta uh, Olympic bombings, and he played the character of the man who was accused of the bombing. For the longest fucking time. Mm. They ruined his life. Oh yeah. And he was actually a hero. He saved the day that day. Mm. And he was made out to be the villain. Like, oh. and, and his life was destroyed. Because oh it would of be it. after something and like that. And it was years and years later. Like the guy that actually did it. Mm. Was kind of like one of these militia guys. Mm. And he was hiding up in the woods for years. Okay. They eventually found him. Um, they ended up catching him in a dumpster. I think it was at the back of a KFC eating from the dumpster and a cop caught him thinking he was just Joseph yeah. Vagrant and he was yeah. going to push on and realised when he saw him from the mouth shots and all that stuff that shit we're after catching the fucking Atlanta bomber this was a few years later I think that's that's crazy so yeah fucking mental can he be arrested from eating from a dumpster well I assume he's just, like just you know yeah, move on you know, or I'll have to take it on I feel bad as a cop doing that. The guy that put the, the people are already yeah, like eating yeah, yeah. from a. I remember when I used to work in a, a petrol station. Mm. At the end of the day, we'd throw away all our um, Joe baked goods. Yeah. Because you know, all the day. Yeah. But there would be a man that would come in and he would claim they were for his dogs, that he was just getting them to feed them to his, his greyhounds and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And so I'd just give it to him. I didn't really think anything of it. Scraps, and, yeah. Um, yeah people come in for it. Then one day he came in and his kids were all over him and he had loads of kids but uh, he was he was collecting them all in a big black bag to bring for home for his kids. I felt bad for him then. Oh. And then when my manager found out, she told me I couldn't do it anymore. Just Why to, not? In case they got sick from it. Oh, uh, sugar. So I had to like take, uh, like start telling them I can't give them to anymore and I literally like had to walk past them while he'd stand outside, walk over and dump them into the fucking bin. But our bins are all locked up, so it's not like you could go through them to get them. Like. Do you think his kids cried every night then? <laughs> because of your manager. Oh, it's a shitty thing, all right. It is. It's nearly as bad as, well, no, it is actually worse than this. But you ever see, like, the videos going around on Facebook and it's, like, people that work in, like, Sephora and, like, all these makeup shops. And it's, they don't sell all these, like, um, these makeup goods and they're all, like, perfectly good, like, like, 50, 60 euro palettes. And because they haven't sold them, they have to completely destroy them. They, like, do you squeeze out all the makeup. They, like, chisel out all the powder out of the, out of the palettes because they don't want anybody else to get their hands on them if they're not being sold for money. So exclusivity. You can't yeah. get them free at all. Like, yeah, it's heartbreaking watching those videos. Fucking such a waste. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell. But, yeah. Do you know what? We're going to keep our intro short this week since <laughs> you, you, you're a little tired and it's your week for telling a story. Even though we were saying that as well, we're going forward. We're going to try something we're different. The For the next three weeks, at least, while we work on our big Halloween series, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to try and... Because we think we've been dividing our skills. Where one week I'm telling a story and I'm kind of doing a real story story kind of 
storybook kind of thing and you you get really into the nitty-gritty research and details and stuff like that and i think that maybe that would be a better mix of us going back and forth yeah and give us more of a chance to have time to to to, to make funny comments and have a bit of fun with it whereas now we're so <laughs> focused and and, and 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 it'll help us during the week work together to, to get the yeah, stuff together definitely so that's what we're going to do so instead of me telling the story and you pretending like you don't know what's going on <laughs> we're both going to know what's going on and we're going to explain I it to you I go into your episodes blind 100% well to be fair I have only heard this story once so is that all? yep that's it that's mad so, you, you, so most of what you're going to tell me here is going to be pretty much new kind of new like to I you. said I know who the headless horseman is from a kid and hearing the urban mm. legends but it was just you know he was imagery he was a Halloween imagery yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't really know the whole story mm. but you're going to tell us the whole story now so I am let's get into it so the whole story is a bit more supernatural than what we would usually do here well, it, it might be a bit more supernatural. It's kind of, you can decide at the it's end the of it. It's the spooky season. But exactly, that's why I'm doing it. it. That's why I'm explaining. Not everything's got to be slash em and fucking mm-hmm. <laughs> serial killer. This is slash em and serial killer. Our intro specifically says we are an interstellar paranormal podcast we, 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 we do the horror stuff we do the slasher so but we're going to do aliens we're going to do cults we're going to do heists we're mm-hmm. going to do bank robbery we're going to do criminals we're going to do mobsters we're going to do ghosts and mm-hmm. ghosts most of the time is you know the story is a bit wild mm-hmm. but we're just going off of what the people that were there said happened and yep. Whether it happened or not is something we just have to try and decide ourselves from the evidence that's in front of us. Exactly. Which can be fucking hard, but that's the fun of it, isn't it, when it comes to the paranormal stuff. So go for it, Amy. Give us the spooky facts for the start of our spooky season. Okay, so the reason that this story kept most of its supernatural mystery about it is because it takes place in 1799 in this sleepy Dutch village of Sleepy Hollow near New York's Hudson Bay River. So obviously at that time, anything with the faintest whiff of supernatural about it would send people into a panic. And this was no different. So would this be about the witchy throughout times? Mm, I think a bit after Salem. Okay. It wasn't Salem like the late six? I could be completely wrong here. Completely, it was not like the late sixteen hundreds. But let's be fair. I mean, uh, until they had a uh, proper electricity and all that, everyone was everyone a was <laughs> <laughs> just because Salem happened and it was done. It didn't stop them. Still, and every now and again, turn around going witch. Well, they turned around pretty surprisingly after Salem, uh, like fast after Salem. And they were all like, well, we might have made a bit of a mistake like seven years ago. By but that was because they fucking massacred half the women in the town. In the village. That might be there as opposed <laughs> to, well, we have a shortage of women here now. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, one day in 1799, a carriage without its horses and a headless body were found on the road outside Sleepy Hollow. In a cornfield by the side of the road, another headless body was found belonging to Peter Van Garrett, a wealthy landlord from the village. Yes. So, the body found alongside the carriage was that of his son, Dirk. Did they find the heads? No. Ed Kemper. He's taking them home to have sex with him again. Unless Ed Kemper is, is like a couple of hundred years old. 
Maybe Ed Kemp is a time traveller. <gasps> Ed Kemp was big enough to be Bigfoot. He could be a time traveller. I'm telling you, we're right back at it. Every time I do one of your episodes, I end up in the same fucking Ed place. Ed Kemp is not hairy enough to be Bigfoot. Shaved Bigfoot. <sighs> He's still not hairy enough to be shaved Bigfoot. You don't know that. You've never seen a Bigfoot. Have you? Yeah, Ed Kemper. Hey, you. Yeah, you. You like the podcast? Want some more? Then head on over to our Patreon page where for just five euro a month you get up to 12 extra shows in that month along with piles of mini-sodes covering fun facts from the world of horror and true crime. Each week we drop multiple shows such as Real Monsters where we look at the inspiration behind the movie killers or Behind the Mask where we take a look at the influential people and happenings in the world of Hollywood. All this plus movie reviews, watch-alongs and regular AMAs. That means ask me anything. You really do get a bang for your buck. And, and by bang I mean like podcast. I'm not soliciting or anything. Shit. Um, moving on. For just five euro a month, all this could be yours. So head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash IAAPod. That's www.patreon.com forward slash IAAPod. And start listening now. (laughs) (laughs) So the night before uh, they were found, uh, Dirk and his father Peter had been traveling home from signing Peter's, uh, from Peter signing his last will and testament which was witnessed by his servant, Jonathan Masbeth. So he was in Sleepy Hollow at uh, the magist- or the notary's um, place, signing the last will and testament that night. And it was thought that the carriage must have been driven by Dirk when they were attacked. And Dirk was the first to lose his head, and Peter fleeing into the cornfield, pursued by the unknown assailant, but to no avail. As he said, I'm neither guessing, head was ever recovered. Yeah, I'm guessing, considering you're saying that they're quite after coming from signing uh, for sorting out their um, uh, will, mm-hmm. maybe somebody wasn't happy with what they were being left. Maybe. There's a bit yeah. more to it than that. So a week later, the headless body of a widow from the village by the name of Emily Winship was also found. Uh, but her head was never found either. Definitely, yeah, Kemper. Three missing heads. <laughs> Did he kill men? No, he was all women. All right, well, I've just disproven your theory. Well, not that last one. And Ed worked when there was two other serial killers working at the same time, so he could be mixed in here with all this. I refuse to believe that you can be Bigfoot and a serial killer at the same time. I don't know. Well, then. See, I thought you were going to go with, I refuse to believe you could be a serial killer, Bigfoot, and Ed Kemp brawl at the same Ooh, time. Threw you a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> All I could think of was Man Bear Pig from South Park. If that can exist, then Kemper Foot Killer. Kemper Foot Killer. Kemper Foot Killer. The KFK. <laughs> So obviously what had happened shocked this otherwise peaceful, isolated farming community. So the news of the shocking murders spread fast. And when it reached New York City police, it was decided that they were going to send one of their constables, Ichabod Crane, out to help. I love his name. Ichabod, Ichabod. Crane. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a name that like you throw at like, kids when you were younger. Do you know when you were kids like throwing around names? To, like, uh, uh, anytime I hear that name, I just think of it. Cartoons. I've heard that name in cartoons so many times. 
That's because when we're younger, um, um, uh, Animaniacs. Animaniacs do a version of Sleepy Hollow, definitely. It's funny that you say that Animaniacs was the first thing that came with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Simpsons, there's loads. We would have seen it when we were younger. So uh, Ichabod was a bit of a pain in the arse of the New York City police. He was very scientific in his method. And during a time where all really kind of all he really needed was the wrong, wrong or right hair color to be convicted of a crime. And in 1799 as well, we covered it in one of our Patreon episodes, maybe about two weeks ago, the Illuminati. He was just coming into the Enlightenment period and everybody was very logical. Everyone, no, not everybody, people of the time. They were trying to get all of the whole yeah, mystic exactly. magic. Exactly. You have to have a method. Everything needs to be logical. It wasn't all fairies and then goblins. And then, then goals. Exactly. And there was science. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he just didn't, he, he didn't believe in any kind of supernatural. And the reason for that would be Ichabod had a pretty shit childhood. So according to him, his father was very religious and extremely strict and may have been a bit of a murderer. Uh, may so, have been a bit of a, what yeah. do you mean a bit of a murderer? we we'll get there. So he was known to be a bit Beat of a violent man <laughs> uh, his mother on the other hand was gentle kind and beautiful so she was also known to be a bit of a free thinker and was forward thinking for her time so she used to use which exactly so she used to use kind of like tricks and illusions to keep ichabod entertained as a child and that didn't sit well with the father who is extremely religious so he cruelly murdered her in order to save her damned soul according to him and Ichabod was the one that found her body. Now, he'd said that the method of death used by his father was an Iron Maiden. But mm, Iron Maiden was never used historically. Just run to the hills over and over and over and over uh, again. Yeah. So, you know, that wouldn't be a bad way to go. The Iron Maiden was never used historically. So, really? really. So, I, I, I think the first trace of it is, like, being mentioned is, is, is like, in the 1800s, late So, it was just, like, a, a treff kind of, of a torture. They never actually put anybody in and closed it. No, there, there's records. I think it's um, 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 Spartan stories uh, of, of this... Um, Oh no, it's not. It's some Christian saint, and he was put the, the closest kind of thing to, to to an Iron Maiden into a barrel that had all these nails in it, and he had to stand up straight. So if like he was gonna fall asleep, and he well, went forward, more and, like, yeah, it seemed more like an execution method than a fucking torture method to me. To be honest, yeah. If I was gonna use it as a torture method, I'd have it empty when you go in there, like a casket, mm. and then have a crank on the side that you could be cranking outside, and that the nails, you know, because the spike would slowly start making their way towards you. So then they're piercing slowly and then you're going to get the information out of the people. I feel like I've seen that in a movie. And CIA, if you're looking for anybody to go work in Guantanamo Bay, I'm your man. <laughs> I got yeah. you going. Modern day Iron Maiden. <laughs> I know we've just said that it was never used historically and I'm not disputing the fact that that's how his mother was killed. But I'm just saying to me, it sounds like embellishment. Yeah. It can't be the only ever recorded use of it. An Iron Maiden. That's exactly it. But it is kind of odd for him because he, like I said, he was an extremely logical person. So, like, why embellish the story? But maybe either it was way, a homemade job. Maybe, maybe it could cool. be post-traumatic stress because either way, he attributed this harrowing incident to be part of what made him unable to believe in supernatural kind of things and made him like cling to logic. Why? 
because, because his mother was kind of wasn't, wasn't yeah no not because of her attempts i think it's the fact that it just scared the shit out of him because he just his his, his mother liked to use tricks and she was seen as a witch and next thing he mm. finds her dead killed by his father like you know that would kind of mess you up yeah, we wouldn't want to believe in magic sure. anymore <laughs> you know? so and the today's sources uh for the story are actually ichabod's journals and the statements taken from townsfolk by him at the time obviously him being a cop his journal is pretty pretty full yeah get on useful you information well from yeah. the people who want to talk the snitches yep Snitches so, a sleepy anyway, hollow. Well, Ichabod's journal is more full of like clues. It's more like his 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 ramblings and rantings and like the joining the dots. Uh, so anyway, Ichabod went on his way to Sleepy Hollow and arriving there, he made notes about how about the village graveyard, um, about uh, how he you know the the amount of sheep in the village, which was obviously the village's main source of income. Uh, how the village had one church and about the normal amount of defences and lookout posts a village would have at the time. So the reception he said he got while walking through the village was quite frosty with front doors and windows being shut by the uh, village residents. Sounds like you're reading the wrong script. That's summer idea you're thinking of. Oh, it does sound like summer idea, <laughs> except, except he was he didn't go there of his own free will. He really didn't want to go there. <laughs> he wanted to stay in New York City. So anyway, upon arriving there, he learned that there was going to be a ball taking place that night in the house of Baltus Van Tassel. So Baltus was a pretty wealthy landowner and a farmer and a banker and husband to Mary Van Tassel and father to Katrina. Mary was Baltus's second wife, his first wife, Elizabeth, having died two years prior. On entering the house, Ichabod was greeted by Katrina uh, and Brom van Brunt. So Katrina and Brom were, they were engaged. I think there, I think there was more of an understanding, but they, they, they were a thing. Okay. Yeah. Arranged kind of marriage. Kind of. Arranged kind of marriage, yeah. And kind of he noted as well. In I think maybe he kind of had suspicions when he first went into the house, but they, they, they were way off. I can tell you that now about Brom. But he, he noted that he was a bit of a, a jock. And oh. through like any exchange there it was extremely tense. Um but anyway, so after that he was greeted by Baltus and Mary Fantassel, to whom he presented his credentials, and as soon as they found out who he was, they offered him a room. He kind of put him up there for the duration of his stay. So after he got settled, uh, he noted then that he went back downstairs where he was introduced to the town elders. So that was Dr. Thomas Lancaster. Reverend Steenwick, Magistrate Phillips, and Notary James Hardenbrook. So the parties discussed the three dead bodies, and here Ichabod learned of a local legend, that of the Headless Horseman. The three dead bodies being the guy that was driving the carriage, the guy that was in the carriage, and the woman afterwards. Exactly. The widow Winship. Yeah. So according to the village elders, the horseman had made off with the heads of all these three people. So the legend of the horseman goes like this. The horseman was a Hessian mercenary that was sent to America during the War of Independence on the side of the English. It's said that although most Hessian mercenaries came for money, this particular horseman came for the thrill of the kill. He would ride through the battlefields on a great black war horse, chopping heads off left, right and centre as he went. His appearance was said to be absolutely terrifying, having filed his teeth down into sharp points, and a pale man with a feral look in his eyes. 
One day during the winter of 1779, close to the village in the western woods, a Hessian, his horse having been killed, was pursued by a group of revolutionaries. He was making a bit of headway on foot until he came across two young girls collecting wood for firing. Signaling them to be quiet, one of the little girls had the bit of cop on to snap one of the branches to alert the revolutionaries of the Hessian's positions. The revolutionaries rushed the horsemen, who gave fierce battles, slashing, dismembering and decapitating. But the revolutionaries were too many in number, and finally they cut the Hessian down and decapitated him with his own sword. Mm. So Baltus, according to Ichabod, then told him that the Western Woods is still haunted 20 years later by the Hessian and not, not a place many men would dare to venture. And that by burying the, the Hessian that day in the woods, they had planted a seed of evil. So what, his body was buried in there and that was it? He had haunted that? That's it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. standard shit for haunting. Standard <laughs> shit, yeah. So obviously the, the, the village elders put great stock into, into the legend of the horseman. And the Reverend Steenwick in particular handing Ichabod a Bible and told him that in the case of the Headless Horseman, this is the only book that he would need. So Ichabod had a quick flick through the Bible and he noticed that there was a family tree uh, on the front of the, of, of the Bible. Kind of, they always, you know, the family Bible, you always had your family tree on the inside back then. And he noticed that Van Tassel, so Baltus Van Tassel, was actually related to Peter Van Garrett. The guy that got his head cut off okay. the, uh, with the last will and testament. Right. So they'd be effectively cousins, like there wasn't much between them at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, according to Ichabod, although the village elders looked absolutely terrified in the room that might talk about the headsman, nearly everybody in the room also looked a tiny bit shifty. So, what if he couldn't really tell if they were. Afraid because they didn't know if he was going to believe them, or if, if and that they were up to something, or if they were genuinely just afraid. I think that they were afraid that they were going, that they were up to something and they were going to be found out, and they were afraid of the headless horseman. Okay. So, so I think it was equal that. measures guilt and equal measures like there's something going on. Like we get into it, like but they were they 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 like Ichabod knew like straight away. There was so before all this happened to have like a haunting story happen. Was it just a thing of a haunting story came up because of his legend of taking people's heads off when he was alive or had people disappeared in there over the years? No, I think it was purely just, just because yeah. he was so ferocious as a warrior back in the day. Oh like, yeah. He had to be still haunting the place but taking it. That's it. Like he was he was known for like his kill count on the battlefield. Like so yeah, the yeah. the legend was gonna keep growing. And anybody that has that kind of blood loss, people are gonna think that they're in league with the devil. Yeah, like I get it. So the next day a horseman with his head apparently ran in or came into the village and to alert the town to the fact that uh, the headless horseman had struck again. And this time it was Jonathan Masbeth's turn to lose his head. Now, if you've been paying attention earlier, Jonathan Masbeth was the servant of Peter Van Garrett and had witnessed his last will and testament on the evening of Van Garrett's death. death. Uh, so he was the witness. He was the witness to the will. 
So at the crime scene uh, where it was Masbeth's decapitated body and again his head was taken, no work to be found. Um, from examining the crime scene, Ichabod deduced that his that the assailant was on horseback and he took Masbeth's head clean off the shoulders in one swoop. He also noticed from the wound that it was cauterized as if with a hot sword blade, but there was no blistering or scorched flesh present. So I was saying, he heating up the sword before he got, got to the head? Yeah, but if it was a hot sword, there should be burnt flesh and blisters. Okay. But like you can tell by the bullet clotting, if it was cauterized. So the flesh is... Stinky. Obviously, there was a way of doing it. We just can't. Obviously, there was a way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Someone was ahead of their time back then. Someone, well, again, you can decide later. So, Ichabod attended at Masbeth's funeral, and there he met Masbeth's son, young Masbeth. So, young Masbeth told Ichabod that, you know, he wanted to help him find, avenge his paw, basically. Uh, so he he was young enough, but Ichabod kind of realizing that help manually and with local information and you know local history would be kind of a good thing. He agreed, and he he, he told him he could take up quarters with him while he was at the Fantastic's household. And what age was this kid? Mm, he was about fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, small mm-hmm. back then. That would have been about working age. Oh, he'd probably been working since he was like knee high to a grasshopper. <laughs> anyway, magistrate. Phillips gave Ichabod an actual, a, a little nugget of cryptic information after the funeral. So he kind of called him to one side, according to Ichabod, and told him that Masbeth was not the fourth victim, but rather the fifth great victim. So there was five victims in four graves. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so there's I'm one we sure. don't know about. Yeah. So I'm sure you, you probably guessed from that yourself, five victims in four graves. But the next morning, just before dawn, we'll go into it now, young Masbeth and a few of the townsmen undertook the unenviable task of exhuming the four victims' graves. So when the widow Winship was brought back to the surface, Ichabod noticed a stab wound to her stomach. So he commandeered Dr. Lancaster's office and carried out a post-mortem on the widow. And he noticed, like Masbeth, the neck wound had been cauterized. But the horrific theory that he'd been working on was proven true. The widow was pregnant at the time for death and the horseman came for the baby too. Nasty. Yeah. Do you think he took the baby's head and left the body or did he just took the whole baby? I don't know. He Yuck. didn't go so far. I was wondering the same thing, but he, he didn't he didn't record that. But like, she was 100% pregnant. So the only thing that he could deduce at that time was that they were dealing with a madman. Uh, that oh, evening... Shit. Oh, no shit. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> that evening, Ichabod was traveling home to the Van Tassel's house where he was chased by a headless horseman carrying a carved pumpkin in his hands. Galloping after Ichabod, the rider threw the pumpkin head at Ichabod, knocking him off his horse. See, that would be the most common version of the headless horseman I know. He yeah. had no head, but he had a pumpkin on his head. That's kind of how... That's why I thought we had the jack-o'-lantern pumpkins was from that story. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But it would be cool if it wasn't that that version of the head Miss Horseman is always just Brom dressed up. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. the So prick. he knocked Ichabod off his, off his horse by throwing the pumpkin at Ichabod. And so obviously he was a bit shaken after that. But 
he he has an entry in his journal about this because he was pretty pissed off at Brom at the time. So it's kind of authentic. Dear diary, <laughs> um, he said that he could hear Brom and his friends laughing. Kind of you just got around the <laughs> yeah. oh, You got pumpkin. Oh, <laughs> pumpkin. <awesome. laughs> nice. So obviously pumpkin. quite shaken on returning home, instead of going straight to bed, he decided to make himself a nightcap. But he was not the only one in the house that was unable to sleep that night. So Katrina Van Garge was awake in the drawing room reading and Ichabod took his chance to kind of get a tiny bit more information in a nice way. Oh, a tiny bit more information. I thought you were going to say we were going to take your chance to get the leg over. <laughs> so here Katrina tells him that Ichabod, that her mother died of a brain fever about two years ago and that the present Mrs. Van Tassel, Mary, was her mother's nurse during her sickness. It's a brain fever, like brain cancer or something? Mm, I don't know. I don't. Oh, brain fever. Is that like not like malaria or something? No idea. An old word for malaria, maybe. So Ichabod asked Katrina why no one had told him that the Van Garrets were related to the Van Tassels and if it was a secret. But he was told that nearly everyone in Sleepy Hollow was related to each other. The land that uh, the Van Tassels lived on now, Katrina told him, was once Van Garret land, but was given to her father. Apparently, Peter Van Garrett gave him an acre of land and a broken down cottage. Baltus worked hard and eventually elevated them to where they are today. Then she gave Ichabod a book that used to belong to her mother. that was kind of full of spells and charms. And she kind of, he kind of scoffed at the idea when he kind of noted that he'd keep it because just in case. Well, no, not just, no, he never said, but his own mother, just, just in case. I think it was because of what was going on at the time. Yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't mind when he's going on about uh, why didn't you tell me about him being related? He's obviously from a city because if you're from any small town city, any small town village or anything, mm -hmm. especially back in old days, everyone would. Have oh been yeah, I think freak about as well as everything because he was like he he wanted everything to be done like to like to this logical kind of method, every every little detail kind of counted for him. So the next day on his way uh, through town, according to Ichabod, he saw Steenwick, Reverend Steenwick, Dr. Lancaster, uh, Hardenbrook and Magistrate Phillips arguing. So Ichabod followed Magistrate Har er, Phillips as he looked like he was going to be leaving town, traveling with a full wagon. So Ichabod cut him off and confronted him. And Phillips admitted to Ichabod that the widow had admitted to him that she was pregnant when she came to him for advice. He also knew the name of the father, but before he could give Ichabod any more information, a horseman came galloping right through the night from the western woods behind Ichabod, knocking Ichabod to the ground and sliced through Magistrate Phillips' neck. The horseman took off into the night, holding Magistrate Phillips' head high up, impaled on its sword. Oh, he was just want to get away and go on the line when he gets caught. Exactly. So, kind of... You can kind of see from his journal at that stage that Ichabod was absolutely shocked to his court. Like he was a perfectly sane and logical man, but everything that the townsmen had told him was true. So you know, okay, he had actually seen this visibly with his own eyes. I have a theory. If it's not supernatural mm -hmm. because of the time this is, this could just be someone with like a tight black hood on their face in the dark riding. Oh yeah, no. could be. Possibly. Possibly. So after he kind of kind of settled himself, I think he fancied a bit of grave digging again. And Ichabod decided that the best court of action would be to dig up the Hessian soldier. Just to see what was going on there. 
Why not? Sure. Yeah. Just to see, I think it was more to see, like, if it was desecrated, is there anybody kind of weird, witchy for the time? I suppose yeah. as well, if he's one of kind of pioneers of this autopsy kind of style, you know, he's going to find Crane was known to want to autopsy absolutely everything in New York City. That's why he well, was a pain in their saying. backside. He'd pick yeah. up on stuff that the original doctor didn't, so I mean, you might as well exactly. dig back up and have a quick look. So Ichabod and young Masbeth go in search of the horseman's grave and in the western wood and they find that the horseman's head is missing from its grave. So it's literally just... Oh, the horseman, like the original guy. Oh yeah, I know we, I, I know it's, it is a headless horseman, but the, the actual, the grave, the grave, there's well, no I, skull in the grave. Oh. Mm. So that night, the horseman claimed its next three victims. Uh, this is kind of sad because there's a yeah. so the headless corpses of the town midwife Beth Killian uh, her husband who he's just been recorded as Killian we don't know his first name and their son Thomas aged about that aged about five so on examining the crime scene Ichabod noted that the door had been knocked clean off its hinges and the three clearly put up a fight with floorboards seemingly seemingly ripped up throughout the house from what we've seen so far, it seems like, you know, like we said, there's like a little bit. If it's not supernatural, there's a connection here to somebody's will. And then you start going on about people being pregnant and midwives and all that being killed off and all that. So if there's a possibility that somebody's knocking off witnesses, why'd the kid have to get it? He ain't going to be taught. He's not going to know anything. Yeah, and when I go into the to the link with, with everybody, I mean, like, I it, it, it's not cut and dry. It's just my own theory. Okay, but, yeah. So a few days later, the Van Garrett's servant, sorry, pardon me, not the Van Garrett's because they're all dead. The Van Tassel's <laughs> servant girl, Sarah, went missing. No body, no head, just missing. At the time, Ichabod reasoned in his journal that the poor girl may have just fled out of fear of the horseman because she was young enough. Why not? Get the hell out of there. That's what I always say. There's exactly. a serial killer in your area. Get the fuck mm. out. <laughs> so next, Ichabod decided that it was time to pay the notary Hardenbrook a visit, which I am very surprised that he had not called there earlier. Because if he was that logical, the first place I'd be looking was the last person, one of the last people that saw Van Garrett alive, which would be the person that notarized his will. Okay. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. So he made his way to now Notary Hardenbrook's place and when he arrived there, uh, Hardenbrook was apparently in an awful state, hiding and babbling about the horseman. He was scared well, out of his be? Everybody that's been involved with this uh, will so far is uh, brown bread. Uh-huh, uh-huh. If I was him and like you said, being the last person to fucking talk to in my life. Oh, he's next on the list. I would have been first out of that village. <laughs> fucking hell. So Ichabod asked to see Van Garrett's will. And when he had a look at the will, it named Emily Winship as Peter Van Garrett's inheritor, including, included along with the will was a marriage certificate. Obviously, this was the piece of information that Ichabod was missing and the pieces just started falling into place. So Peter Van Garrett got the widow pregnant and married her. The will and testament then, that was signed the night before he died and that left everything to the, or the night that he died, pardon me, that left everything to the widow and her unborn child. Okay. So obviously, if the widow and her unborn child are out of the way, the next in line will be Dirk, the other son. 
Right. Okay. So Dark's doing all Dark, this. I hate that name. Yeah, but Dark. No, 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 not Dark, because Dark got his head cut off as well at the start. Oh, yeah. He was, yeah. So Reverend Steenwick is involved because he performed the marriage. So that's how he knows about everything. Don Dr. Lancaster knew about everything because he would have looked after uh, Emily when she was pregnant. Okay. Magistrate Phillips gave them the protection of the law and obviously notary Hardenbrook concealed the documents and Jonathan Masbeth that has his head cut off witnessed the will so he would have also known that Emily was pregnant. So this has to just, this isn't a supernatural, this just has to be somebody pretending to be a headless horseman to get rid of a lot of witnesses to gain the money and inheritance. inheritance Could be. That's how it looks to me. It's also, yeah, there is a legend around. I'll go into the legend again towards the end after I go through kind of the more logical kind of stuff and then we can kind of round it back up and see. I I like to think the legend is true. (laughs) So Beth Killian and her family were killed probably as a safeguard. She was the town midwife. She would see the women in her home. So it's very likely that at least... Beth knew of Emily's secret. So if Emily was seen in the house, if the husband was in the vicinity, if the five-year-old was in the vicinity, they'd have known that Emily, they could have picked up on it. It was small houses, you know, everybody was in close quarters. So whoever targeting the village elders was the person who standed to gain the most from the vanguard's debt. And that at the moment was shaping up nicely to be Baltus Van Tassel. I love that name. Baltus. Baltus Van Tassel. <laughs> Another wrestler name. Definitely. So his way to the ring. Valtis Van Dassel. <laughs> <laughs> so Ichabod. Got to be a good porn on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he brought the will and testament back with him to the Van Tassel's house as evidence, and then that night they heard banging downstairs and in the downstairs of the Van Tassel's house. So himself and young Masbeth snuck down the stairs and found a hooded figure sneaking around at night on the way out of the Van Tassel house. Managing to stay out of sight, he and Masbeth followed the hooded figure, who turned out to be Lady Van Tassel, who snuck out to have a bit of fun with Reverend Steenwick. Ichabod found the Reverend on top of Lady Van Tassel, who sliced into her hand and smeared her blood on the back of Steenwick. She was getting a bit kinky. At least he wasn't going around like the other priests with little boys. Yeah. Just with married women. (laughs) (laughs) Or was he? Trying to put all the the pieces into place, Ichabod went to retrieve the will and testament, but he found that these had been taken most likely by Katrina. So when he confronted Katrina, she admitted to Ichabod that she had taken and burnt the will and the marriage certificate so Ichabod would not be able to accuse her father of any wrongdoing. Ichabod then decided it was time to speak with Mary Van Tassel, who told him that she had actually seen him spying on her and Steenwick and made him promise him not to tell Baltus. Shortly afterwards, Ichabod learned from Baltus that notary Hardenbrook had hung himself out of fear of the horseman and also that the Reverend Steenway could call a town meeting in the church that evening on the back of the notary being found hung because things were getting out of control. Uh, well, it definitely have been a hang of him killing himself. For oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah, no. was killing him would have taken the head with him. That's exactly it. Yeah. So apparently Baldus was warning, had warned Ichabod that at the meeting that night, everybody had ten, had intended to speak against him because he was kind of seen as a 
a bit of a failure, kind of. This hasn't gotten the ball rolling at all, like on the way to find some. Yeah, yeah. nothing's going on here. They still think there's a ghost with no head flying around the place, cutting people's heads off, but this fella in the meantime is just digging back up bodies. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he's making matters <laughs> worse, like throwing skeletons around the place. That evening, while the village was gathering at the church, uh, waiting for the town meeting to begin, uh, with with so everybody was there. Basically, Ichabod was there. The whole village was there, um, except for Baltus. He came galloping up on horseback, shouting for Katrina and shouting that the horseback was after him. According to Baltus, he had gone to find Mary uh, to hurry her along for the town meeting, and he had found her picking arrow flower, seemingly to bind the wound in her hand. Finding her, he also found a, the dark shadow of the headless horseman approaching from the edge of the head of the western woods. Oh, what is she getting at? She went, yeah. So from what we can tell, as far as Baltus was concerned, at that particular moment in time, Mary was dead. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's his second wife gone. That's his second wife gone. And hot on Baltus's heels, according to him, was the headless horseman himself. So everybody rushed into the safe space of the church in order to protect themselves from the horseman because he cannot enter consecrated spaces. So the scene inside the church was one of pure chaos. Steenwick, turning on Baltus, started shouting at him that he was the one that the horseman wanted, so obviously they needed to throw him out of the church. Uh, the townspeople were breaking windows and shooting into the, into the night, but to no avail. Uh, Dr. Lancaster was whacked over the head oh, uh, with a cross by the Reverend Steenwick just after he appeared to start to confess about all this pregnancy. Yeah. So he was about to give away the conspiracy, is it? Yeah, there to Baltus. From, from what I can and... tell, Baltus was completely in the dark about, about the Widow oh, Winship. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Reverend then was actually shot dead in the panic within the church. Oh. Yeah, and the panic culminated into now. Take this. I this this is it is. How do I explain this? I think Ichabod had a penchant for kind of gory things because first of all, he's talking about the Iron Maiden. Now, now Baltus definitely did die, but I don't know if if this is if 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 if, if this is something that was possible. Okay. It sounds like he was a bit a bit of a whale. So he basically. <laughs> He was lampooned, basically. Okay. Yeah. Through the window of the church. So a, a bit of fence was thrown in, into the window of the church, and there was rope attached to the fence. Okay. So once that struck Baltus through the stomach, I suppose that they, they, the, the rope could have been attached to the horse. He was pulled back out. When you say fence, it's like a steel fence. It's not like a wooden picket fucking. No, it's not like a picket fence. It's wooden. It's wooden, but it's substantial wooden. Like it's it's not like. Oh yeah, a stake, not fence. <laughs> a stake. Okay. Okay. And uh, so he was found outside after everything had kind of died down, also without his head. Obviously. Obviously. So with all the elders now dead and Katrina in a state of shock and Ichabod disgraced, having failed to solve the mystery, he packed up to leave Sleepy Hollow. But while leaving... So he just, uh, he just left the place worse off and then he's like, I'm, I'm off. Good luck with it. I tried. See you later. I think... is your problem, not. I think Ichabod might have had... when in What I think when he went back to New York was that he might have put Katrina forward. What, the killer? 
that she would that maybe well now I'd say if in his head she might have had an apprentice because at this moment in time Katrina is after inheriting yeah, the Yeah, and she did it and he caught her getting rid of the evidence. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's honesty time. We have a confession to make. We suck at socials! No good at Insta! Can't send a tweet! Or an X! Or whatever that super villain looking motherfucker is calling it now! Stick to your space cars, Elon! But we know you want to chat. You want to be kept updated. You want to be alive alive all the goddamn time. So we're getting down from the anti-social soapbox and giving this a try. So come chat to us on Insta and Twitter at Alive Alive Pod or hit us up by email at itsalivealivepod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. This is a project. It's still a work in progress and we just want to give you more what you like and less of what you can't stand. So give us a like, give us a follow. We'll always hit you back and we'll always try to reply to everyone so come say hi we don't bite well at least amy doesn't and she keeps me well fed so you got nothing to worry about now back to the show <laughs> oh yeah so while he was leaving the doctor's office where they were carrying out the post-mortem on on the dead bodies from the day before including the body of mary who was uh, being carted in through the door of the surgery as ichabod was passing uh, Ichabod, as astute as ever, noticed that the wound she had given herself on her left hand was the last time he saw it on her right hand. Mm. Mm. Oh, so the body was had the wrong, wrong cut in the wrong place. The body, yes, yeah. Mm. So obviously being like, feck this, maybe I should just have a small look at it. He demanded to inspect the corpse and he noticed that the wound that had been inflicted was a post-mortem wound. So there was no blood flow, no clotting, no evidence of healing at all. And the wound on Mary at this stage should have have showed at least some signs of starting to heal. Uh, so mm. she faked her on that. So it's her. She's the one trying to get the inheritance, the second wife. Ah. Mm-hmm. I did say that she was a nurse. But who's she using as the headless horseman? Who's helping her out? See, this is where it kind of takes two turns. It could be paranormal, like the legend goes, or in my head, she either A, had an accomplice or was schizophrenic. I'll go into why, now I'm going to leave it just at that. Just okay. at that, not, not, not just schizophrenic, but I'll go into that a tiny bit more in a few minutes because I don't think she could have been the, I know she couldn't be the headless horse from herself, but she had well, she kind couldn't, of- couldn't because her husband saw and the headless horseman sneaking up behind her. Yeah, but the husband never stayed long enough to see her get her head cut off. But she still couldn't have been the headless she horseman. She couldn't, so she, she could have had exactly. Place. Having said so it that, it would have had to have been an accomplice. Yeah, but having said that, if the seed of a legend is already there, and you're going to be like thinking about like the horseman, the headless horseman, possibly popping up. Is all you need at that stage on a windy dark night, a scarecrow on a horse. Yeah, maybe. Do you know, I'm not saying, I'm not no, saying, I'm just saying, you. you know, like you said before, there's electricity. I mean, like my grandmother thought they saw an alien in like the 1940s and made my, made her dad like drive the whole way back out the country road and it ended up being a green post box like. <laughs> so, I mean, so deducing that the body must be of the missing servant girl, Sarah, Ichabod returns to the Van Tassel's house to warn Katrina that her stepmother might not actually be dead. 
So he found Yogmazbeth there, who alerted him that he had see, seen the seemingly resurrected Mary drag Katrina to an old mill located on the Van Tassel's land. According to Katrina, when his stepmother brought her to the mill, she confessed or rather boasted about how she had killed uh, Sarah, the servant girl, taking her head off with an axe. She told her that when she was younger, she lived with her father, her mother and a sister in a cottage on the Van Tassel land. But when her father died, they were evicted and this cottage and the land is the very same that was given to Baltist by Peter, by Peter Van Garrett. So this caused the two sisters and their mother to live, to have to live in the western woods. And all seems pretty sane and a little sad so far until she told Katrina that she was the little girl 20 years ago in the legend in the western woods that gave the Hessian soldiers location away. Oh. And that she now commanded his headless horse, uh, his headless um, corpse. If I'm the, if I'm the headless horseman, I'm not going to be helping the girl who got me headless well, to yeah. begin with. <laughs> she can go get fucked in her own dirty work. To finish my sentence, because she possessed his head. Ah, uh, bitch. Mm -hmm. So she also confessed that she was the only, uh, that she was the one who slowly killed Katrina's mother. So she poisoned her slowly while she nursed her in, in order to insert herself into the marriage bed. Oh my God, she would have fit in there with Annie Wilkinson as well. Yeah, absolutely. We got fucking crossovers, callbacks coming all over the place these days. Then, according to Katrina, Mary started ranting that the horseman was on its way and that Katrina would be his next victim. So with Katrina out of the way, obviously, Mary was going to inherit everything, including everything that was once her family's. So Ichabod and young Masbeth rushed into the mill to save Katrina and the three not wanting the chance to actually, you know, bump into the horseman, they decided to climb the mill and made it safely back outside. So officially, the mill burned down that night when Ichabod had the good sense to flick his oil lantern into the mill. Okay. And officially, Mary was probably burnt down with it because she was never seen and she was never heard from again that night. And neither for that matter was the horseman. Do you think this is why going forward that serial killer women just generally stuck to poisoning their husbands and family as opposed to going through all this hassle oh, women have been poisoning people for hundreds and hundreds her. and hundreds if of she years the wife, she could have just done the same thing to the husband and the daughter and you know true yeah they were all contagious and caught the fucking shit off each other True, but they had ways of doing postmortems. Like certain, so, some of your organs are turned back from different poison. They didn't pick it up with the mother, so that's true. Just saying that's true. So was this actually like a batshit crazy revenant haunting that was doing his bidding for his living master, or was this the work of a schizophrenic grave robbing psychopath? Well, the legend that surrounded what happened that night is that the three fled into the mill, or fled the, the the mill into the western wood, being chased by the horsemen. When in the woods, they were set upon by Mary Van Tassel. Ichabod managed to steal the head from Van Tassel, which was hanging on, um, on her horse. And he threw the skull to the horseman who had now caught up with the three. Mary, for her part in the Hessian slaying, was dragged back to, with the horseman to the depths of hell once he was happy enough that he had oh. his head back. So Poor if you ask me, Mary was 
All right, I would love to believe that legend. I think it's class. So that's the legend, the story of a legend ending, whereas the other legend is that she burned inside and the power and her accomplice burned to death in this mill. But the you see, I don't the know about the is if, if, they, 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 they all went to hell. Yeah. Did they find the heads? Never found the heads. So I'd say if she had an accomplice, it was the Reverend Steenwick. Okay. Why so, that? because she was already having sex with him. That's true. He didn't die until he was shot in the church. He killed Dr. Lancaster, so we know that he's... And was he the guy that was about to confess? Dr. Lancaster. Or he was the guy that not to kill the guy. That yeah, that's confess. what I'm saying. So he's already uh, killed someone. Uh, he could have been the, the, the hooded figure that came up behind. That would make the most sense. Yeah. 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 But if he was shot, then how was he in the middle at the end? Or again, is this just because urban legend Chinese whispers all that kind of This shit? is Ooh. urban legend. I would say Ichabod never said in his journal, he's very specific in his journal, he's never actually she said... He just said he was caught He was way. on his way, that's uh, it. So it sent them into a panic. Same way, kind of the illusion that, oh, well, he's going to think because he's seen the horseman that I'm going to have no head down in a few minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'd say Mary was an absolute psycho. She was manipulative. She was vindictive. She had obviously had the accomplice. Uh, do you know what? I, I genuinely, that seems like the most logical. So like the most logical, but not the most fun. That's not the most fun. The legend when we're telling it to everybody else. Exactly. <laughs> she was torn and brought to this pits of hell by the man she had decapitated. Yep. Sounds awesome. <laughs> I just think they have sex every night. Huh? I think they have sex every night. Just like Ed Kemper. And if you want to hear more about Ed Kemper, go to our Patreon page right now and check out our episode on him on Real Monsters. It's starting to be a bit of a back catalog there. Now we got about eight episodes of Real Monsters. Yeah. Up, about eight episodes of Behind the Mask. All of our mini souls go up there first before they go anywhere else. On top of the main show being ad free and a day early as well and i think people have been checking out our latest mini souls where we do the creepy class the crypt where amy tells scary stories or gives you information about weird cryptids and stuff like that that's been doing pretty well and that's on all our social medias so keep checking that out we're going to be releasing two a week monday and friday keep it checking out and we have our mini soul on saturday as well so we're just pumping that shit out. Keep it going. If you keep listening to us and we keep, 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 keep talking, you just have to pay attention. That's the idea. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next week we are about, so we are in the spooky season and next week we are starting a big series. We are. That will take at least three episodes, possibly four. It's going to be a special one. We're going to be working together on it. So hopefully this will work out. Or else you'll hear news reports of us killing each other during the week. And uh, that'll be the end of the podcast. Mm. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> Love you. Bye-bye.